So this summer, of course, we've been in the sermon series called What We Believe, looking through our statement of faith. And, and I think hopefully what you've seen over, the, over the, these last few weeks is these things aren't disconnected from one another. The different parts of our statement of faith are connected. They build on one another. And that's especially true for what we'll be looking at this morning. Um, we're looking at this idea of the kingdom of God, our belief in this thing the Bible talks about, the kingdom of God, or sometimes it's referred to as the kingdom of heaven. And this is very much based on what we've looked at before, particularly on a sermon that Brandon preached on the gospel in early July. And in that sermon, if you haven't listened to it, it's worth listening to, um, Brandon talked about the gospel being this announcement of the good news, the good news about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, good news that Jesus now makes, because of what Jesus has done and accomplished, God's kingdom is now available to all people by faith, right? So here's this gospel, this announcement, right? Uh, and if you believe then, of course, in this gospel, this good news about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, if you believe in it, you've entrusted yourself to Jesus, and by faith, you're now part of God. You belong to God, and you're part of his kingdom. Here's how the Bible puts it, Colossians 1, 13 to 14. He, that's God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And what I want to zero in here is this kingdom language. It's important. There's, there's a lot behind that. And I want us to hopefully understand more of this today. That we really, when we're talking about believing in the gospel, we are talking about domain transfer. That you are in one domain under the burden of sin, right? Enslaved to sin. Trapped, as the Bible says here, in the domain of darkness. Away from God. Burdened under sin. But through Jesus, we're redeemed, we're forgiven. And when you're redeemed and forgiven, when you're saved by faith in Jesus, you become part of this new community called the church. But that's not the only thing to say about what it means to be saved. As Brandon talked about in this sort of idea of the gospel, you're saved, you're brought to Christ, you believe in Christ, but now you're part of what we might call um, a new civilization, a new domain. Uh, that the church, this community you're part of, is in some sense uh, a kind of outpost, a frontier town for what is this bigger reality, this bigger domain, what the Bible refers to as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. See, what God is up to, sort of the overall big plan what God is up to is remaking the entire universe, remaking the whole world, remaking the entire universe. If you're a Christian, you along with other Christians are an early installment, a frontier town of what will ultimately be a reality by which all things are united together under God, under the rule of Jesus. But that is where all things are headed, this kingdom of God. And when you're saved, you belong to Christ with other Christians, what you actually are is an early, is you're not the end point of what God is doing. You're a huge sort of pillar. The church is a huge pillar towards ultimately what God is building and what he will build throughout the universe. That sounds major. I mean, you're right. It is major. It's hugely significant. We're in election year right now. So people are voting for the people that they think should be in charge that will make things better. People don't vote for people who will make things worse, right? Uh, maybe some people do by accident, but ultimately what we want to do is not do that. As much as possible, you want to vote for people who make things better. If they don't do that, then you vote for different people who make things better. We vote to put people in charge who will make things better, who will make a better world. And what the Bible is saying is that all things are leading to a final election 
where God is in charge and all the branches of government, the Supreme Court, the Congress, the presidency, all of them get wrapped up in Jesus. All of them are gathered together to God and given over to Jesus and he rules. He's the government. That's where all things are headed. So similar to like, okay, well, so what's, you vote because you think this person says he's going to make or she's going to make the world, the society like this. So like what is the kingdom of God going to be like? If this is, where the, this is the final election of all reality, what is this kingdom going to be like? That we, as Christians, are early, or we're citizens of. We're sort of the first town of what ultimately be this kingdom of God. So what, what should we expect? What do we want to see happen? What, what, what should happen? I should put it more that way. Now, it turns out we can answer that question, what it's going to be like. That God has been campaigning about this already. That, in fact, he's shown us through the ministry of Jesus Many places in the Bible directly. So what I'm doing ultimately is that these Christians who have chosen Jesus are early part of, here's what it is. Here's what it's to be like. Here's what you should expect. What we see in the ministry of Jesus over and over is he announces this gospel of the kingdom. Here's what it is. Here's what I invite you to know and believe in. And he's always demonstrating it. Here's what it looks like. Here's what it means. Let me go through just a bunch of different passages on this because I just want you to see how clear this is. That the ministry of Jesus is always about proclamation. Here's the kingdom of God. Here's what it is. Believe in it. And demonstration. Here's what it looks like. Here's the world under the kingdom of God, under the government of Jesus. This is Matthew 4, verses 23 to 24. So he, Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus said things about the kingdom, the gospel, which is the good news about him, his life, death, and resurrection, what he's bringing about. So he's telling people, and he's telling people for them to hear it and believe in it. It's not the whole passage. The next part is connected to what he's saying. He's telling people about the gospel of the kingdom, and verse 23 Here's what he does to demonstrate this kingdom that he's talking about, this gospel of the kingdom. Healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And so Jesus' fame spreads throughout all Syria, and people are bringing to him the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. That's not separate from his proclamation. He's not doing, he's not bivocational here. He's not got like two different jobs. They're one job. I am King Jesus. And I want you to hear it and believe in it. And then I want you to see it and experience it by what I'm doing, the good works that I'm doing, healing people in all the different ways you see there. Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues. Once again, what do you see here? Proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and demonstrating it. He's healing every disease and every affliction. Luke 9, verse 10 to 11. So on the return, the apostles told him all that they had done. He took them withdraw apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned about it, they followed him. He welcomed them. And what did he do? He spoke to them of the kingdom of God. He's always telling them, right? He's never just sort of doing things and, and say, figure it out on your own. He's telling them. And then he cures those who had need of, of healing. He's demonstrating it. And we should note, the next section talks about the crowds being hungry, and what does Jesus do? He takes five loaves and two fishes, 
and multiplies them to feed the whole crowd. Again, that's not separate from what he's been doing. He's telling them about the kingdom of God and he's demonstrating it by healing people and then feeding them, taking care of their needs. Luke 9, verses 1 to 2. Jesus is sending out his apostles and it's like he, and he, notice what he sends them out to do, to do what he's been doing. He calls the 12 together. He gave them power and authority over all the demons and to cure diseases and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He sends them out to tell people, proclaim it, and to demonstrate it. So we see the pattern. Proclaiming the kingdom and demonstrating the kingdom of God. In this kingdom, with Jesus being the government, the demonstration that he's giving, what do we see? In God's kingdom, blind people see. In God's kingdom, under the government of Jesus, no one is crippled, everyone is able to walk. In God's kingdom, there are no incurable diseases, no chronic illnesses. People are healed. In God's kingdom, uh, hungry people, there's no hungry people, people are fed. In God's kingdom, no one is harassed by evil spirits. In God's kingdom, dead people don't stay dead. They come back alive. This is God's kingdom. This is the government of Jesus. All of this is what God is able to do and what God is saying through the ministry of Jesus is what he will fully do one day. To believe in God and to follow Jesus means then you're part of a mission that will bring about a new society, a new civilization where there's health and peace and contentment and righteousness and goodness now and forever, always, amen. Jesus in his ministry is always telling people about this, which is to say, here's what it is, you need to believe in this. You need to follow in this, and then demonstrating it, saying, here's what it looks like in and through me. Now, of course, what happens? Jesus dies. He rises from the dead, which shows that, like, you can trust what he's saying, that he can bring about. It wasn't just him, you know, spitting smoke out. Like, he was, him dying and rising from the dead shows the reality of his power, and it's how he's able to bring us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God. He rises from the dead. And then he ascends into heaven. So that means Jesus is not physically here anymore. But Jesus is still here spiritually. Physically not here, but spiritually still here, which means the ministry of Jesus has not stopped. Jesus did not go to heaven and then, like, we need to, like, we're on pause. We're in sabbatical until he comes back. What, what, what did Jesus do before he left? He left followers, us Christians. And what does the Bible say about us as Christians? The Bible says by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is still with us. That's why Jesus can say, I'm going to be with you always, even to the very end of the age. How is that possible? Because by the Holy Spirit, we are now in Jesus. That's why the Bible over and over says Christians are in Christ, which is to say that spiritually, through our lives, Jesus is still here, which means the ministry of Jesus continues, continues to the church. And what is that ministry? We just saw it. Proclamation of the kingdom of God, proclamation of this gospel of the kingdom, and demonstration of this gospel of the kingdom. We tell people about it so they can believe, and we show people about it, the reality of this. Jesus already did that with his first disciples, his 12 disciples. In case you think, well, no, that's just for Jesus to do. What do we see in Luke 9? He gives them the power to tell them about the kingdom and to demonstrate it. And then when Jesus leaves in Acts 1, what does he say? I need you to be my witnesses throughout the whole world. Those first 
Early disciples obviously weren't able to get around the whole world. That's a, that's a call to all people who follow Jesus. And what does it mean to be his witnesses? Well, what is Jesus basically saying? He's saying, you see what I've been doing? You do the same thing. Keep it going. Be my witnesses. The idea of witnesses is saying, hey, this is true. Tell people about it and demonstrate it's true. Be a witness through your life that this is true. The reality of this kingdom, the goodness and righteousness and peace and healing that can only come through the kingdom of God under the government of Jesus. Christians, the church, we are the frontier town that through what we say and do will eventually be the thriving city of God throughout this whole universe. We're pioneers. It's not easy to be a pioneer. It's hard ground to till. There, there's, there's enemies sometimes all around. What God has said is that I've empowered you to do it, to be among the first to experiencing it because you believe in me and to invite other people to experience it and to be the first to begin to demonstrate it by the good that you do in this world. So clearly, one of the things that I think should be obvious here is that being a Christian, if you're a Christian, being part of church, you can't treat this like you might treat the health club you joined January 1st, right? Um, for some of us, uh, who, and I, I include me, I've done stuff like this. I signed up for a good deal, right? <laughs> and I went a few times and I forgot about it, right? I'm sort of still part of it, right? I, I go every once in a while, but I, I mean, not nearly what I said I, was, I thought I was going to do. Or sometimes we treat being a Christian like it's like the, the magazine subscription you have or the newspaper subscription you have where you, you get it and you, you read a couple pages on it, but that, that's about it, right? You page through it, maybe you run article, and that's it. I mean, if we're honest, this, I would suggest, is a very dominant way of us approaching our Christian faith. It is something that's part of our lives, but it's not central to our lives. It's, it's casual. We, we page through it. We, we visit it every so often. I want you to hear, that does not work for what God is up to. That doesn't work. What you're being is, is almost like a, I don't know how to put it, like a, this sort of like anemic, weakened version of Christianity that, that is barely anywhere near the power and might of what it really means to be a Christian. It means to be the church. Behind this, these descriptions of what God is doing in the ministry of Jesus, you see great proclamation and great demonstrating what we're called to do. In fact, what only Christians could do because Jesus is in us. Jesus is not... We don't believe, we're not uh, animists. We don't believe that like sort of the spirit's everywhere. We believe that the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, and the Bible says you can find him in one place, the heart of believers. If people are gonna know and find Jesus, the fullest understanding of who he is, the most robust version of who he is, one of the ways that's gonna happen, the essential way that's gonna happen is through us, Christians. And what Jesus is about is a cosmic renewal and restoration project. That's what Jesus is about. That's what God is about. This cosmic renewal and restoration proxy that happens, that happens, that was that first was inaugurated through what Christ did on this earth and carries on through all of us, through the things that we talk about and tell people about, and through our actions. Through our words, through our actions, we point the way and we set the tone for eventually what the world will be. God's gonna be the one who does it. What we're doing is, is providing the clearest picture and example of what it's going to be. Of what God is already doing and what he will eventually do. 
There's a, really a great metaphor for this the Bible uses. It's in our statement of faith. This idea of, of us, the church, being a light in a world that's dark. Let me read it. This is Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16. This is Jesus talking. He's giving a sermon to a crowd, and here's what he says. <coughs> you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. A lamp under a basket is useless, especially in ancient times, a lot of those houses, you, those of you who have you know, multi-room houses, like you're, you're incredibly wealthy in world history. Back then, one room, right? Everyone's in one room. And so if you've got a lamp, most people are living in rooms like that. If you've got a lamp, it's, it's, got a light, it, it's there to light up the entire house. If you've got a lamp and you put it under a basket, right, then you, you've wasted your lamp. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. The whole purpose of the lamp that you bring into your house is to light up the whole house. You put it on a stand to shine throughout the whole house. If you're a Christian, you've been made by God to shine in the world, to bring light to darkness, to tell people, first of all, about this light, like, hey, there is light that you can have in your life. His name is Jesus. To tell people about Jesus and the light that can fill up the darkness of your life and then to demonstrate that light, to show this is not a fake light, this is a real light. It can really light up the world. Let me demonstrate it by the good that I do. To demonstrate it by doing good out of love for others. Our statement of faith puts it this way, that we do good out of love, loving our neighbors as though they were ourselves. We do good to all. As Christians, we're uniquely equipped to do that. That the light of Christ, which is the ministry of Jesus, it's like to, 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 to not do this is literally like taking the power and the might and the glory and beauty of Jesus and burying it. I was in, in France and, and um, I got to see the, the Mona Lisa in person. We're talking about like huge crowds of people in front of, of, front of the Mona Lisa. Um, and it, it's impressive to see it in person. It really is. Like he knew what he was doing. It's a good painting, right? Um, imagine that museum as crowds of people coming up to, to, to see the Mona Lisa and they get in that room and it's not there. And everyone's looking around like, where's the Mona Lisa? And the, the museum people are like, oh, we got it. But, you know, we, we decided to put it in this desk over here. Like, we don't want, you know, we're not sure if everyone should see it. We'll just, just put it in the desk. Don't worry, it's in there, though. It's great. <laughs> it's in this locked desk. I mean, that, that would be, there'd be a riot. Like, people come to that museum. There's some people who buy tickets just to see the Mona Lisa and they leave. Right? They come to see it because there's something inspiring and, and, and interesting and beautiful about that particular painting that's held up over the years. Here we have Jesus in our lives, millions of times more inspiring than the Mona Lisa, Mil infinitely millions of more times beautiful than that painting. When people know and really encounter Jesus, like it is life transforming. It's been that way for thousands of years. How dare we hide that? How could we hide that? It is there in our lives and it's there in our lives so that the crowds can come and see it. It literally says that. So they may see your good works 
and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. To hear about it and to see it. And to see it by the good that we do. By the good that we do out of love for our neighbor. Love for those around us. To be that frontier town in God's kingdom. To be God's lights in a world that by God's grace we know will not forever stay dark. We proclaim the kingdom and we demonstrate the kingdom. This is what we're called to as a church. This is what we're uniquely able to do as a church. There is an immensely powerful effect when people do good, but especially, and this has been shown over human history, when Christians do good. And Christians have been known for a lot of bad things. That's true. <laughs> All right? We got to own up to that. But the other side of the story is that this world is immeasurably better, immeasurably better, because Christians have many times over the, year, over the centuries lived up to what we're called to do and let the light of Jesus shine in the world. We have started hospitals and soup kitchens and rehab centers and pregnancy support centers and job health centers when we do good out of love. We've helped lead efforts like prison reform and fairness in immigration. Christians have come up with new and better ways for people to study and learn. We've helped people find opportunities to work and provide for their families over the centuries. We've created art that communicates things that are right and true. We have shared meals and formed friendships across race and class. We've coached sports teams for our kids in our communities. We've blessed people in the places in our communities through volunteering our time and giving our financial resources so that things in our communities could thrive and flourish. If you are here and you're a Christian, and this is your church, I want you to know this is your legacy. This is what you are part of. You're a part of this, and we continue to be part of this. We are God's pioneer carrying out the ministry of Jesus, proclaiming the kingdom, and demonstrating the kingdom. This is what we do. This is what we're uniquely able to do, and God blesses it because it's Jesus. It's Jesus in us that we're letting shine. So, as we finish, let me just ask this question. First, who needs to know? Who needs to know in your life about the gospel of the kingdom? Who needs to know about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and what that means for how they might know God and be part of this bigger reality? Who needs to know? Who needs to be invited into this? And, and we should always be, be honest and say, like, to come to this does require something. What we're proclaiming is faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus requires repentance. So the proclamation, you want to know what Jesus was proclaiming? Here's some other passages that, that fill out a little bit about some of the things Jesus was proclaiming. Matthew 4, verse 17, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark 1, verses 14 to 15, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. It doesn't come clearer than that. There's people who need to know. We have to, in one way, like, lead them to be honest about the sin that's in their life. That can be the hardest step. But that's the only thing we're saying. <laughs> Repent and believe in something bigger and better. Bigger and better than you are coming up with on your own. Bigger and better because it's God and it's Jesus that we're calling to. So who needs to know? What are the one, or one name 
two names of people in your life who need to know and they'll, the best person for them to find out about it is you. And probably need to know a couple times from you. Jesus' ministry was for three, three years. If you look at sort of the towns Jesus was visiting, he visited regions and towns multiple times. <laughs> Sometimes people heard Jesus the first time and believed. But I want to suggest that some people had to hear it a couple times. <laughs> who are the one or two names that you can think of who need to know and who you will say, I need to be part of this regular conversation of talking about what I believe in and inviting them to believe, to repent and believe. Who needs to know, and then what do you need to show? What do we need to show about this kingdom of God that shows the truth of what we believe, that shows what we believe as, uh, maybe what you, that shows it, maybe you as a person, as an individual person, what might you do to show this kingdom? What might you do as a family to show the truth of this kingdom, the beauty of this kingdom? What might you do to do good out of love for others as a person, as a family? What might we do within our own church? Because the goodness and the love of God, I mean, we can't begin to say it's going to happen out there unless we're sure, we're sure it's happening within here. How might we do it among ourselves and how might we do it outside of ourselves? How, what might we show as a church? What would we do as a person, as a family? But what might we do as a church community that shows in, in the ways only we can show the gospel of the kingdom? You know, we have a, a building in this place. We've been in this location for a while. So let me just say, I, what I'm asking us is not something that we haven't done before. Praise God, this is something we have done many times. From the past to the present, what, what kind of things have we shown about the kingdom of God? Well, over the years, Roosevelt has helped build schools and water tanks in Kenya. We have provided school supplies for kids in our area. We have helped posted art and music and poetry on First Fridays. We've fostered and adopted. We've spoken on and prayed for racial justice and reconciliation in downtown Phoenix. That's a sum of what we've done in the past and the present. And I guess what I'm asking is, what might we continue to show and demonstrate about this kingdom because it's true roosevelt is now in a new phase aren't we right we're in a new phase but we as this church we it's, it's if you say we're on the other side of a pandemic and it's it's a church that's 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 different right every church is different and new this side of the pandemic we are in a different place certainly with new people a new community and for sure obviously with us having paid off this building means Many more new things for us to think about. Many more new things that we might be able to do. So what might we uniquely be called to show and demonstrate, even as we continue to tell people about the kingdom of God? What might we, how might we continue to proclaim? How might we demonstrate what his kingdom is? And leaving that, I guess, is an open question, and it's something I'm thinking about. And we have some, a Remember the Mission series that I'm going to be doing in September, where I, in many ways I sort of want to set a vision for what, where we are now, where we look back and say in this new phase, where are we going? Well, where might we go? But let me just make it very clear. What I'm talking about is not what we maybe should do, but what we must do. What we must do. God has done so much in and through us. I mean, I feel a sense of thankfulness and obligation, right? Not shame or guilt, but there's an obligation here, responsibility given what God has given us but also thankfulness that given faithfulness to him in the past, he'll continue to be faithful in the future. 
What must we do for the sake of God's kingdom? The sake of his kingdom has come in now through our lives and will eventually come in throughout this universe. We know God is up to the task. We pray that we'd be faithful to it. Amen? Lord, thank you for this time. And thank you for, again, for where you've brought us and where you're leading us, Lord. And it's clear where you're leading us is, is where you've already been leading us. Continue to speak and proclaim the gospel and to demonstrate it in all the ways that we can. The light of Jesus is strong and bright and beautiful in us, Lord. Lord, help us to make it shine. Lord, may we help people to see it by what we say, and may we most especially demonstrate it. And Lord, I, I thank you for, word, uh, for what, what that will look like. Uh, but Lord, challenge our hearts and minds right now, Lord. Lord, challenge us, Lord, where we have been maybe too casual about our faith, um, where we have been, Lord, frankly, um, Lord, locking up the ministry you've called us to in a closet. Instead, Lord God, um, may Lord give us a brighter vision, a, a clearer enraptured vision of, of the grace and power and beauty of Christ in our own lives. And may we believe it more strongly and live it out. Lord, for any who have not yet believed, Lord, may this, I, this, this just even the, the idea that there could be a government in a society Lord, where the blind see, the lame walk, people are healed, the f- people are fed, where people do good and love others, Lord, just that would begin to draw them closer to you and help them see that the key to this is Jesus. Lord, we thank you for him. We praise you and we love you. It's your name we pray, amen.